section nine of the junior classics volume six old-fashioned tales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the junior classics volume six old-fashioned tales deacon thomas wales will by mary e wilkins freeman in the name of god amen the thirteenth day of september one thousand seven hundred fifty and eight i thomas wales of braintree in the county of suffolk and province of the massachusetts bay in new england ghent being in good health of body and of sound disposing mind and memory thanks be given to god calling to mind my mortality do therefore in my health make and ordain this my last will and testament and first i recommend my soul into the hand of god who gave it hoping through grace to obtain salvation through the merits and meditation of jesus christ my only lord and dear redeemer and my body to be decently interred at the discretion of my executor believing at the general resurrection to receive the same again by the mighty power of god and such worldly estate as god in his goodness hath graciously given me after debts funeral expenses etc are paid i give and dispose of the same as followeth imprimis i give to my beloved wife sarah a good suit of mourning apparel such as she may choose also if she acquit my estate of dower and third therein as we have agreed then that my executor return all of household movables she bought at our marriage and since that are remaining also to pay to her or her heirs that note of forty pound i gave to her when she acquitted my estate and i hers before division to be made as herein expressed also the south-west fire room in my house a right in my cellar also the privilege of water at the well and yard room and to bake in the oven what she hath need of to improve her lifetime by her after this followed a division of his property amongst his children five sons and two daughters the home place was given to his sons ephraim and atherton ephraim had a good house of his own so he took his share of property and land and atherton went to live in the old homestead and atherton went to live in the old homestead his quarters had been poor enough he had not been so successful as his brothers and had been unable to live as well it had been a great cross to his wife dorcas who was very high-spirited she had compared bitterly the poverty of her household arrangements with the abundant comfort of her sisters-in-law now she seized eagerly at the opportunity of improving her style of living the old whale's house was quite a pretentious edifice for those times all the drawback to her delight was that grandma should have the southwest fire-room she wanted to set up her high-posted bedstead with its enormous feather-bed in that and have it for her fore-room properly it was the fore-room being right across the entry from the family sitting-room there was a tall chest of drawers that would fit in so nicely between the windows too take it all together she was chagrined at having to give up the southwest room but there was no help for it 
there it was in deacon wales will mrs dorcas was the youngest of all sons wives as her husband was the latest born she was quite a girl to some of them grandma had never more than half approved of her dorcas was high-strung and flighty she said she had her doubts about living happily with her but atherton was anxious for this division of the property and he was her youngest darling so she gave in she felt lonely and out of her element when everything was arranged she established in the southwest fire-room and atherton's family keeping house in the others though things started pleasantly and peaceably enough it occurred to her that her son samuel might have her own help a stout woman who had worked in her kitchen for many years and she'd take in exchange his little bound girl anne ginnins she had always taken a great fancy to the child there was a large closet out of the southwest room where she could sleep and she could be made very useful taking steps and running errands for her mr samuel and his wife hesitated a little when this plan was proposed in spite of the trouble she gave them they were attached to anne and did not like to part with her and mrs polly was just getting her learnt her own ways as she put it privately she feared grandma would undo all the good she had done in teaching anne to be smart and capable finally they gave in with the understanding that it was not to be considered necessarily a permanent arrangement and anne went to live with the old lady mrs dorcas did not relish this any more than she did the appropriation of the southwest fire-room she had never liked anne very well besides she had two little girls of her own and she fancied anne rivalled them in grandma's affection so soon after the girl was established in the house she began to show out in various little ways thirsty her youngest child was a mere baby a round fat dumpling of a thing she was sweet and good-natured and the pet of the whole family anne was very fond of playing with her and tending her and mrs dorcas began to take advantage of it the minute anne was at liberty she was called upon to take care of thirsty the constant carrying about such a heavy child soon began to make her shoulders stoop and ache then grandma took up the cudgels she was smart and high-spirited but she was a very peaceable old lady on her own account and fully resolved to put up with everything from dorcas rather than have strife in the family she was not going to see this helpless little girl imposed on however the little gal ain't goin to get bent all over tendin that heavy baby dorcas she proclaimed you can jist make up your mind to it she didn't come here to do sich work dorcas had to make up her mind to it but it rankled anne's principal duties were scouring the brasses in grandma's room taking steps for her and spinning her stint every day grandma set smaller stints than mrs polly as time went on she helped about the cooking she and grandma cooked their own victuals and ate from a little separate table in the common kitchen it was a very large room and might have accommodated several families if they could have agreed there was a big oven and a roomy fireplace 
good deacon wales had probably seen no reason at all why his beloved wife should not have her right therein with the greatest peace and concord but it soon came to pass that mrs dorcas's pots and kettles were all prepared to hang on the trammels when grandma's were and an army of cakes and pies marshalled to go in the oven when grandma had proposed to do some baking grandma bore it patiently for a long time but anne was with difficulty restrained from freeing her small mind and her black eyes snapped more dangerously at every new offence one morning grandma had two loaves of riz bread and some election cakes rising and was intending to bake them in about an hour when they should be sufficiently light what should mrs dorcas do but mix up sour milk bread and some pies with the greatest speed and fill up the oven before grandma's cookery was ready grandma sent anne out into the kitchen to put the loaves in the oven and lo and behold the oven was full anne stood staring for a minute with a loaf of election cake in her hands that and the bread would be ruined if they were not baked immediately as they were raised enough mrs dorcas had taken thirsty and stepped out somewhere and there was no one in the kitchen anne set the election cake back on the table then with the aid of the tongs she reached into the brick oven and took out every one of mrs dorcas's pies and loaves then she arranged them deliberately in a pitiful semi-circle on the hearth and put grandma's cookery in the oven she went back to the southwest room then and sat quietly down to her spinning grandma asked if she had put the things in and she said yes ma'am meekly there was a bright red spot on each of her dark cheeks when mrs dorcas entered the kitchen carrying thirsty wrapped up in an old homespun blanket she nearly dropped as her gaze fell on the fireplace on the hearth there sat her bread and pies in the most lamentable half-baked sticky doughy condition imaginable she opened the oven and peered in there were grandma's loaves all a lovely brown out they came with a twitch luckily they were done her own went in but they were irretrievable failures of course quite a commotion came from this dorcas raised her shrill voice pretty high and grandma though she had been innocent of the whole transaction was so blamed that she gave dorcas a piece of her mind at last anne surveyed the nice brown loaves and listened to the talk in secret satisfaction but she had to suffer for it afterward grandma punished her for the first time and she discovered that that kind old hand was pretty firm and strong no matter what you think or whether you err in the rights on't or not a little gal mustn't ever sass her elders said grandma but if anne's interference was blamable it was productive of one good result the matter came to mr atherton's ears and he had a stern sense of justice when roused and a great veneration for his mother his father's will should be carried out to the letter he declared and it was grandma baked and boiled in peace outwardly at least after that anne was a great comfort to her she was outgrowing her wild mischievous ways and she was so bright and quick she promised to be pretty too grandma compared her favorably with her own grandchildren 
especially mrs dorcas's eldest daughter martha who was nearly anne's age martha's a pretty little gal enough she used to say but she ain't got the snap to her that anne has though i wouldn't tell atherton's wife so for the world she promised anne her gold beads when she should be done with them under strict injunctions not to say anything about it till the time came for the others might feel hard as she wasn't her own flesh and blood the gold beads were anne's ideals of beauty and richness though she did not like to hear grandma talk about being done with them grandma always wore them around her fair plump old neck she had never seen her without her string of beads as before said anne was now very seldom mischievous enough to make herself serious trouble but once in a while her natural propensities would crop out when they did mrs dorcas was exceedingly bitter indeed her dislike of anne was at all times smouldering and needed only a slight fanning to break out one stormy winter day mrs dorcas had been working till dark making candle wicks when she came to get tea she tied the white fleecy rolls together a great bundle of them and hung them up in the cellar way over the stairs to be out of the way they were extra fine wicks being made of flax for the company candles i've got a good job done said mrs dorcas surveying them complacently her husband had gone to boston and was not coming home till the next day so she had had a nice chance to work at them without as much interruption as usual and going down the cellar stairs with a lighted candle after some butter for tea spied the beautiful rolls swinging overhead what possessed her too she could not herself have told she certainly had no wish to injure mrs dorcas's wicks but she pinched up a little end of the fluffy flax and touched her candle to it she thought she would see how that little bit would burn off she soon found out the flame caught and ran like lightning through the whole bundle there was a great puff of fire and smoke and poor mrs dorcas's fine candle wicks were gone and screamed and sprang down stairs she barely escaped the whole blaze coming in her face what's that shrieked mrs dorcas rushing to the cellar door words cannot describe her feeling when she saw that her nice candle wicks the fruit of her day's toil were burnt up if ever there was a wretched culprit that night anne was she had not meant to do wrong but that maybe made it worse for her in one way she had not even gratified malice to sustain her grandma blamed her almost as severely as mrs dorcas she said she didn't know what would become of a little gal that was so careless and decreed that she must stay at home from school and work on candle wicks till mrs dorcas's loss was made good to her anne listened ruefully she was scared and sorry and that did not seem to help matters any she did not want any supper and she went to bed early and cried herself to sleep somewhere about midnight a strange sound woke her up she called out to grandma in alarm the same sound had awakened her get up and light a candle child said she 
i'm afeard the baby's sick anne scarcely had the candle lighted before the door opened and mrs dorcas appeared in her night-dress she was very pale and trembling all over oh she gasped it's the baby thursy's got the croup and atherton's away and there ain't anybody to go for the doctor oh what shall i do what shall i do she fairly wrung her hands hev ye tried the skunk's oil asked grandma eagerly preparing to get up yes i have i have it's a good hour since she woke up and i've tried everything it hasn't done any good i thought i wouldn't call you if i could help it but she's worse only hear her and atherton's away oh what shall i do what shall i do don't take on so dorcas said grandma tremulously but cheeringly i'll come right along and why child what air you goin to do anne had finished dressing herself and now she was pinning a heavy homespun blanket over her head as if she were preparing to go outdoors i'm going after the doctor for thirsty said anne her black eyes flashing with determination oh will you will you cried mrs dorcas catching at this new help hush dorcas said grandma sternly it's an awful storm out there jist hear the wind blow it ain't fit for her to go her life's jist as precious as thirsty's anne said nothing more but she went into her own little room with the same determined look in her eyes there was a door leading from this room into the kitchen anne slipped through it hastily lit a lantern which was hanging beside the kitchen chimney and was outdoors in a minute the storm was one of sharp driving sleet which struck her face like so many needles the first blast as she stepped outside the door seemed to almost force her back but her heart did not fail her the snow was not so very deep but it was hard walking there was no pretense of a path the doctor lived half a mile away and there was not a house in the whole distance save the meeting-house and schoolhouse it was very dark lucky it was that she had taken the lantern she could not have found her way without it on kept the little slender erect figure with the fierce determination in its heart through the snow and sleet holding the blanket close over its head and swinging the feeble lantern bravely when she reached the doctor's house he was gone he had started for the north precinct early in the evening his good wife said he was called down to captain isaac lovejoy's the house next to the north precinct meeting-house she'd been sitting up waiting for him it was such an awful storm and such a lonely road she was worried but she didn't think he'd start for home that night she guessed he'd stay at captain lovejoy's till morning the doctor's wife holding her door open as best she could in the violent wind had hardly given this information to the little snow-bedraggled object standing out there in the inky darkness through which the lantern made a faint circle of light before she had disappeared she went like a spirit said the good woman staring out into the blackness in amazement she never dreamed of such a thing as anne's going to the north precinct after the doctor but that was what the darling girl had determined to do she had listened to the doctor's wife in dismay 
but with never one doubt as to her own course of proceeding straight along the road to the north precinct she kept it would have been an awful journey that night for a strong man it seemed incredible that a little girl could have the strength or courage to accomplish it there were four miles to traverse in a black howling storm over a pathless road through forests with hardly a house by the way when she reached captain isaac lovejoy's house next to the meeting-house in the north precinct of braintree stumbling blindly into the warm lighted kitchen the captain and the doctor could hardly believe their senses she told the doctor about thirsty then she almost fainted from cold and exhaustion goodwife lovejoy laid her on the settee and brewed her some hot herb tea she almost forgot her own sick little girl for a few minutes in trying to restore this brave child who had come from the south precinct in this dreadful storm to save little thirsty wales life when anne came to herself a little her first question was if the doctor were ready to go he's gone said mrs lovejoy cheeringly anne felt disappointed she had thought she was going back with him but that would have been impossible she could not have stood the journey for the second time that night even on horseback behind the doctor as she had planned she drank a second bowlful of herb tea and went to bed with a hot stone at her feet and a great many blankets and coverlids over her the next morning captain lovejoy carried her home he had a rough wood sled and she rode on that on an old quilt it was easier than horseback and she was pretty lame and tired mrs dorcas saw her coming and opened the door when anne came up on the stoop she just threw her arms around her and kissed her you needn't make the candle wicks said she it's no matter about them at all thirsty's better this morning and i guess you saved her life grandma was fairly bursting with pride and delight in her little gal's brave feet now that she saw her safe she untied the gold beads on her neck and fastened them around anne's there said she you may wear them to school to-day if you'll be careful that day with the gold beads by way of celebration began a new era in anne's life there was no more secret animosity between her and mrs dorcas the doctor had come that night in the very nick of time thirsty was almost dying her mother was fully convinced that anne had saved her life and she never forgot it she was a woman of strong feelings who never did things by halves and she not only treated anne with kindness but she seemed to smother her grudge against grandma for robbing her of the southwest fire-room